Hi, this is Juan Luce, a conversation between authors hosted by Cinco Puntos Press. My name is Stephanie Vesquez Macias, and this will be a conversation between Sonia Patel, Jacqueline Briggs Martin, and June Jolie. Sonia Patel is the author of three young adult novels with us, Cinco Puntos, the latest of which is Bloody Soul. Jacqueline Briggs Martin is the author of 20 children's books, including Chef Roy Choi and the Street Food Remix, which she discusses here. And June Jolie is the co-author of Chef Roy Choi and the Street Food Remix, as well as the co-founder of the children's book publisher, Readers to Eaters. You'll get to know more about them in their conversation, which they start off by introducing themselves and naming their favorite Korean dish. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi, my name is June Jolie, and I am co-author of Chef Roy Choi and the Street Food Remix. My favorite Korean dish is actually a medley of dishes. It's kimchi, rice, mm. and tofu stew. Okay. Um, and then Jacqueline? Hi, I'm Jacqueline Briggs-Martin, and I wrote Chef Roy Choi and the Street Food Remix with June Jolie. My um, favorite Korean dish is bibimbap. And... Uh, of course, kimchi. Once June and I started working on that book, I started making kimchi, and now I try to eat kimchi every day. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. Um, and then Sonia. Hello, I'm Sonia Patel. I wrote Bloody Soul, um, a young adult novel. My favorite Korean dish is dolsot bimimbap. It's my ultimate comfort food. I love the sizzling stone pot, how it keeps the rice warm, and then kind of crispy and crunchy on the bottom, and then the flavor blend of the sesame oil and gochujang. Mm. I made sure to eat a pretty big meal before this, and I'm really glad. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So uh, to get a little bit more into your books, I guess in the same order, would you mind talking about how you got the idea for your book, how it started coming together? Yeah, hi, this is June Joe again. I've been following Chef Roy Choi for 10 years now. He started Kogi Barbecue Truck in 2009. He was the first business on Twitter. And I was just really excited to see Korean food uh, come together with Mexican food. So Korean barbecue in a taco and for it to be sold off a food truck. Um, And I just thought... He was uh, pretty awesome in his flavors and tastes. And then when he spoke at a conference in Copenhagen, a food conference called MAD, I just uh, loved what he said from his heart, which was uh, that he, he and other chefs needed to feed more people. And then I just became an even more big fan when he opened Local. And so, and local is a um, group of fast food uh, stores in uh, areas that typically are, uh, have been known as food deserts. It's places where they don't have uh, big grocery stores and it's mostly uh, liquor stores and small convenience stores and fast food places. And so I had this um, real desire for kids to know Roy's story and uh, and I know ja- Jackie has written a food hero story, uh, food heroes series, starting with um, 
Farmer Will Allen and The Growing Table, and then with Alice Waters and The Trip to Delicious. And so I asked Jackie if she would be interested in writing about Roy. And I'll turn this over to Jackie from there. Hi, this is Jackie again. When June asked me about um, Chef Roy Choi, I said I, I would love to read his book. He had just co-authored a book uh, about his life in L.A., and I read it, and I knew I wanted to write about him, partly because of his um, affection for the streets of L.A. and for the place of L.A., but also because it took him a while to find his path in life. It took him a while to find what he really wanted to do. And I think those stories are good for all of us to, to hear about because uh, we can grow up thinking that success is a straight line. And it's usually not a straight line. For most of us, it's not a straight line. So it's, it's nice to hear about people like that who try one thing, it doesn't quite work, try something else, have a setback, try something else, and eventually figure out what they want to do and and make doing that work for them. So um, I was excited to work on it, and we had a wonderful time writing it together. Hi, this is Sonia again. Um, I think two things drew me to uh, write Bloody Soul. First, um, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist here in the islands, and I treat kids from many cultures and blends of cultures um, including Korean, Korean-American, and then youth that have been in gangs. Uh, what I've found over the years is that trauma or difficult family situations or both, um, when kids go through that, they respond similarly, no matter what culture they're from. They may end up thinking, feeling, um, or behaving in negative ways to survive what they're going through. And I figured, it, I think it was time for me to venture outside of writing yet another Indian American main character um, for my third book. So, and then the second thing that drew me is uh, when you grow up in Hawaii, you grow up appreciating and respecting many cultures. Um, the native Hawaiians who had their land stolen, the people who immigrated to the islands to work the land, like the Filipinos, Japanese, Chinese, Koreans. Nowadays in Hawaii, uh, many non-Korean people appreciate aspects of Korean culture that are everywhere here. Um, like uh, Korean food, Korean dramas and films, K-pop music and rap. And I'm a fan of all of that, so much so that after watching a certain K-drama, I had to go to Seoul to do my own tour of all the locations where the scenes were shot. <laughs> and then at some point, I found Korean gangster films, and that was it. I loved the power struggle and the psychological depth I saw on the screen, and I watched every single one I could get my hands on, um, on this side of the Pacific. Um, there's still some that I, I haven't seen. And I'm, then one day it kind of dawned on me, I could put my work together, uh, my love for Korean gangster films and my work with traumatized, traumatized teens. And that's how Bloody Soul was born. Okay, great. Well, you guys, I think, did a really great job of putting it in a nice condensed uh, summary. And it also definitely made me think of some questions, but I want to give you guys a chance um, if you have questions that you wanted to ask each other. 
I have one for June Joe. This is Sonia. I have one for June Joe. Hi, Sonia. Yeah. What is Hi. your question? So my question is, what are your thoughts on non-Korean people writing stories set in, let's say, Seoul and with Korean main characters? <laughs> Actually, that was my um, question back to you, Sonia. <laughs> I, was, I was really curious about how you did your research about Seoul and how you found Rocky's voice. Um, I'm a big fan of K-drama as well as Webtoons, um, which is a Korean manhwa online. And I've been reading, I'm a fan of Lookism, uh, L-O-O-K-I-S-M right now. And so much of the themes that you bring up um, are in that as well. But um, uh, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's wonderful that uh, we are we are writing about um, we are writing about each other and I I was really curious because I am a food ethnographer um, that's my day job and so I study food culture which is um, why Chef Roy Choi has has uh, pretty deep food messaging in it so I applied my, my research and my learning. And I just love the fact that you are a practicing therapist and that you talk to kids and Korean American kids um, about their trauma. And so I'm guessing that so much of what you write about comes from uh, hearing their stories and, and their pain. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I think more and more we're becoming a global world. Um, I know that kids today are connected to each other in all, all over the world. <laughs> and that there is, there's, they're more connected to each other and their own age cohort than they might be to someone living in their neighborhood that's um, from a different generation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I am curious, how did you how did you do the research to get the the cityscape of soul and the food and just some of those little touches of um, memories, um, especially the intimate memories of, of his mom and, and Rocky. So you're, you're right in that a lot of what I write about is based on my work with teens or kids. So that's, that was the springboard. And then I think um, I, I am obsessed with K-drama and um, gangster films, like seriously obsessed. And so when I watch, I, I think I pay more attention um, perhaps, and I kind of jump into the scene and pretend I'm a character, and it's very exciting for me. <laughs> um, a little bit nerdy with that. And then when I went to Seoul, um, it was just, I loved Seoul, and I think kind of having this, watching these films and these shows before going there, and then talking to people who are from there, or who have family from there, and then like so it's not just like I'm going to vacation. I have this other stuff 
that I'm taking with me when I go and then seeing the city through my own eyes, but also through what they've told me and what I've seen on the screen um, really helped and I drew from that. Um, and I kind of wanted to pay my respects to the Korean gangster genre as well, just because I think it's it's awesome how they do those movies. They're very violent <laughs> because Korean drama isn't violent. It's very wholesome, but the gangster films are very violent. It's interesting. That. I just have uh, one comment to add. This is June Joe yeah. again. Um, my daughter is Korean-American, but she doesn't really mm -hmm. speak Korean. Her One of her best high school friends is Indian-American and is a oh, huge fan of K-pop. And she, she learned how to speak Korean <laughs> from K-pop. <laughs> and, uh, she that's awesome that's actually my next goal that's so cool that's yeah so yeah she can speak cool. uh, she can speak uh, more Korean than my own daughter so oh that's so funny there's a there's a Korean rap artist Jay Park who's coming to concert but his tickets sold out in literally like 15 minutes here oh wow it's in this theater that's how popular it is here <laughs> Okay. Um, well, Jacqueline, did you have anything you wanted to put in before I uh, monopolize things? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm just enjoying mm -hmm. listening. Yeah, no, definitely not required. Just I don't want to talk over you guys. So there's other things that you want to talk about. But, um, well, I had a question for Sonia. Um you know, like I said before, a big thing that both uh, Bloody Soul and Chef Roy Choi and the Street Food Remix share is that Korean food is a pretty big part of it. And um, there's a lot of beautiful, delicious descriptions, um, but it's a little bit more, um, it stands out a bit in your book because it's not about a chef. It's not specifically about food. So why, um, Sonia, was the food description so important to you and why what does that say about the role of food in Rocky's life sure sure this is Sonia again and for Rocky uh, food was his bridge that could bring people he loved a little closer um, he was in his head so much because of all the the trauma he'd been through um, so food brought him closer to a few people in particular first of course his mother um, he thinks she abandoned him. Um, and she's the one who, when times were good, when he was younger, times were good with him, his mom and his dad, she made like the perfect tamal pachon once a week for them. She taught him how to make the egg yolks cry in his bibimbap. You know, she'd arrange them like eyes and encourage him to make them cry when he mixed it. Um, and so that's sort of, so he has all these good food memories that link him to his mom and remind him of the good times. And then he's also got some kind of bad memories that start to come out, which aren't linked with the food. So he really clings to the food to have this positive connection with her. Mm. And then the other person that food kind of brings him closer to is his older uncle who died when he was young. And his older uncle was almost like a father to Rocky because Rocky's dad was always out doing gang stuff. And older uncle loved to eat. He could eat two and a half stone pot bibimbap bowls. 
he'd bring, yeah, he'd bring Rocky bags of snack goodies like Pepero, and they'd munch and read stories together. And then Rocky's conflicted relationship to his dad, who'd kind of stopped spending quality time with him. So Rocky kind of clings to all his aspirations with his dad to become like the next big gang leader in all of Seoul. And that's sort of the connection. And so his dad always goes out to these small hole-in-the-wall places with his um, top gang officials and eats, and everyone knows him at the knows him at these restaurants and gives them special service. So Rocky takes his boys, his mini gang, and does kind of the same thing. Yeah. And so then food's very important to him in that in that respect, connecting with his dad. Right. I think it's interesting, Sonia, that Rocky finds food a, a healing thing and a connecting thing. And in Roy Choi's life, every time that he had a setback or that he got to a, a hard place, he would go home, his mother would cook food for him and strengthen him and bring him bring him back to a better Absolutely. place. Food is such an important healing piece, it seems to me. I hope I'm not um, overstating June, but it seems like food is, it really is uh, a bridge and uh, an emotional power. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm looking at the page in your book with that, and I love that, that was, it's a beautiful description and a beautiful um, illustration, love that. Well, and that uh, reminds me of something that I thought of when you were both, or when you were all describing um, your books, um, Jacqueline, you mentioned that you were really interested in talking about someone who kind of had setbacks and who had to work through them. And that's also something that your book shared. You have these protagonists who aren't, you know, perfect role models who do everything exactly the way that they're supposed to do. Um, and I don't quite have a question lined up for that, but I just thought it was interesting that you were both drawn to that. Or not both, the three of you were drawn to that. I was, um, I don't know if this actually relates to that, but I did think of a question for you, Sonia. Something that was very important, this is Jackie, uh, for me and June was the notion of um, sonat, hand love that food is made by hand and you put the love for the person you're cooking for into the action of making the food. And uh, I'm wondering if that was important to you as you were writing Rocky's story. You know, story. I actually learned that from reading your books, your book. And so when I read that, um, I thought of Rocky's mom. I mean, that was what she did mm -hmm. for him. And that's exactly what he remembers. I mean, that's how uh -huh. in his mind, I mean, I know she showed him love in other ways, but that's one of the ways he remembers besides. So the loving touch with the food, but also like she would sew things, but it's all about kind of what she did with her hands and what she made for him to show him. He remembers that. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, but I learned that from your book. Thank you. That's really great, actually. Would you mind pronouncing mm -hmm. that one more time? Sonmat. 
This is Junjou. So Sun means hand and Mat means taste in Korean. Although when Chef Roy says it, he says it with a really cool LA uh, hip hop uh, <laughs> inflection. So he calls it sonmash. But it is, it is the taste of handmade food, food made with care and with love. And I remember, because we're talking about K-drama, uh, one of my favorite K-dramas is called Reply 1988. Ooh. And uh, Roy and I are about the same age, so we have similar cultural references of Korea. And so 1988 um, is a similar cultural reference for us. But it's a drama about Korea getting ready for the Seoul Olympics. And there's an episode where a mom is mixing a big plastic tub of this really exotic American food. It was spaghetti with barred red sauce. <laughs> and she starts mixing it with her hands. And then she dishes out the noodles uh, with her hands to her family and neighborhood friends. Um, it's just the way a mom would mix chapche, which is Korean glass noodles. And I remember seeing a YouTube video online where Roy is at the Culinary Institute of America and he's talking to all these white-coated chefs um, in the audience and he's mixing a salad but he he's like oh you know and he takes off his gloves and uh, he starts mixing it by hand and he explains the concept of um, to the audience and uh, he says you gotta mix in love and, but there's a deeper meaning for why Jackie and I use Sonmat in our book. So it's a metaphor to describe its opposite in a way, which we see as fast food or industrially processed foods made with a few commodity crops. So our book is kind of political too, just like uh, Roy is political about food. Um, you know, uh, Food that's made in a factory that's made to be uniform, cheap, and shelf-stable. And we wanted to describe this without making kids feel bad about the foods they ate. Because all too often, kids and we adults, we all judge um, each other by food. Um, food is our identity. So the person eating um, good food versus bad food or healthy food versus unhealthy food or fresh food versus cheap food. We wanted to get away from that binary way of mm. thinking about food. And Ooh, so this was really important for us. And it's one of the reasons why we lead in with ramen, because yeah. what we know is most kids can afford a package of ramen mm. But even ramen can be made with sonmat. You can add your own flavors, your your egg on top, um, your your little bit of um, you know your little bit of greens, and make it your own. And Chef Roy actually taught um, a, a kid, a teen, on a YouTube video how to make this ramen with sonmat. And, and th th that to us is a beautiful message to kids. Wow. That is beautiful. I love that. Um, June Joe, there was a really nice quote that I found while I was 
looking and Googling you up, um, where you were speaking in an interview for the Blue Bonnet Award, and you shared the advice for kids who didn't feel like they fit in. You said, don't try to fit in, make the world bigger. Um, and besides just, you know, personally really loving the quote, I also like that it seemed to apply to both of your books perfectly. Um, so could you um, each talk about how you try to make your book make the world bigger? Yeah, this is Jean Jo again. So as Sonia said, uh, food for Rocky was a bridge to other people um, because he was uh, pretty socially isolated in his internal world, I think. Um, and and for, for Chef Roy Choi, food was also a bridge into as Jackie mentioned, the streets of LA, into the culture of LA, into the diversity of LA. Um, and so that was that was really important for us to, to write in. As a cultural anthropology-based food ethnographer, I know I, I'm trained to understand um, a group by understanding their food. So food can be used to uh, mark a group as belonging to a tribe or it can mark them as being an outsider or other them. And growing up in Palo Alto, California, um, believe it or not, when I was growing up, it was, um, there were, it was less culturally diverse. And I remember being made fun of because of the foods, my foods, my Korean foods, my kimchi was stinky, as stinky mm -hmm. as my eyes were slanted and my Korean name was hard to say and I remember feeling very very much ashamed and diminished and that I had to force myself to fit in or to be somewhat invisible um, because of that and this is uh, we and so I wanted kids to actually um, grow bigger and have a bigger world to, to, to play in through food by trying their friend's food and other people's food and discovering uh, rather than judging food and judging people. That was wonderful, thank you. Um, Jacqueline or Sonia? Um, this is Jacqueline and I think um, we are all constantly in a process of trying to make our worlds bigger. Uh, of course, we want children to, to have that experience, but I feel like it's happening to me as well. And, and working on this book with June certainly made my world much bigger. I learned so much about Korean culture that I didn't know. And I think... Uh, one way that I hope our book will make kids' worlds bigger. We know, we have been told that kids in Arkansas have, who've never uh, been even close to LA have read Chef Roy Choi and really mm -hmm. loved it. And I think food is one of the bridges to a larger world, but also Roy's struggles, his mm -hmm. not knowing where he belonged, 
is another bridge for kids because so many kids get made fun of one way or another, don't know where they belong, don't feel that they fit in. And I, I think if you read about a character who doesn't feel that they fit in, you can relate to that character because we've all had those feelings. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think my world got bigger through this book and I, I hope that kids' worlds will get bigger from reading it, mm -hmm. however they connect with it. Hi, uh, this is Sonia. Um, I, I love the quote, June Joe. I love the quote, and I really appreciate what the two of you said about your book. Um, it's, it's a fabulous book, and from the child psychiatrist's perspective, I think um, I absolutely appreciate your intentions with that. Um, I think with Bloody Soul, I'm really hopeful it makes the world bigger as well for teenagers. And one of the key messages is that if we heal ourselves, then we can see beyond our own anguish. And suddenly the impossible becomes possible. Suddenly there are so many more positive opportunities within reach. Um, because Rocky was literally stuck in his head, literally stuck in his obsessions and compulsions as a way of surviving what he'd been through. But once he was able to kind of, through food, through family, connect and begin the healing process, then he didn't need those things as much. He didn't need to just kind of survive by copying his dad and being a bully. He could find his true self. And there were so many other things. And um, by the end of the book, he's on his way somewhere else, and the opportunities and are potentially limitless. Mm -hmm. So the world becomes smaller. I mean, bigger. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe bigger and smaller. <laughs> yeah, bigger and smaller. Local <laughs> and global. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much um, for writing wonderful books um, and for this. Really nice talk. You guys had wonderful questions for each other. This conversation was a pleasure. Thank you for setting it up. Thank you. Yes, we're